Today we're going to look at country club Nephites. There was a bunch of them. Yes, there was the standard group that worked under Alma and uh, saw things pretty clearly about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But boy, did it spin off some country clubs. On one side, you've got the Nahors, uh, the way that they saw things, everybody gets saved. Not on the other side is the Zoramites. They've got their own little election society going on on top of the Remyampton. Country Club Nephites. Pretty interesting discussion. And welcome to another Monday morning Book of Mormon class with Kevin Hinckley. Recorded live, we dive deeply and deliberately into this inspired scripture. How far we get in one class depends a lot on the material and the doctrines left for us by ancient prophets. A single chapter may occupy one class or many. Of course, opinions expressed by the teacher or the class members do not constitute official church doctrines. Join us in this adventure and discover the hidden treasures found within his pages. And now, on to the class. Okay, so we, so we begin today. Um, I ran across something that uh, kind of got my attention. Um, and that was, where are you? Set it up so I'd have it. There you are. Okay. Uh, let me just do this. One of the things that uh, struck me, one of the classes that we taught was at the Pull of uh, Bethsaida and, and told this story. Uh, but I want, so I want to show it. And then can it, I got a question on this. Shalom. You want to hit the lights behind you? Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. Good. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? No. I'm hearing a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so, Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. 
I'm not asking you about who's helping you. Or who's not helping. Or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And I don't want false hope again, I understand. But this poor, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this poor. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Get up. Pick up your mat. And walk. Okay. Now, it struck me um, <laughs> yeah. hey, um, I, have a, I have a question. So, so what we're watching here in this case is on a Sabbath day, the Savior comes in to the, the Pool of Bethesda. It's on the north side of, of uh, Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, uh, where pilgrims would come and kind of wash before they would go into the temple annex. And on a Sabbath day, but they were camped out around the pool, and Jesus is going to come straight in. He's going to walk up to that man, the paralytic, He's going to heal him, and then because he's not yet ready to have this kind of publicized in Jerusalem, then he immediately leaves. And we know that later on, Jesus is going to track him down in the temple and tell him who he is. But immediately, like this, he just walks off. Now, my question would be this, because it just struck me how many people he walked past to get to this guy. He walked past them 
healed this guy. And then he walked past them again and left. So later that day, this guy's dancing or walking or celebrating or something like that. And the other people are still at the pool. And in so many other cases, we, get a, we, we see the Savior healing everybody. Everybody's coming to him in droves. And it says in Luke, he healed everybody. And in this case, he heals one guy and leaves. Why would he do that? Questions that I've had floating around in my head. Why would he come in and specifically target and ask one guy, heal him, and then leave? Okay. And it seems to me like what he's doing is he's following the commandment of the Father that he was directed by the Spirit to do one thing, one thing only. Right. And that was intended to be done in the eyes of those who would oppose. Let's get the opposition going because there needs to be a clear delineation between God's work and theirs. Sure. Okay, I think it's a good possibility. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It was. Yes. Yeah. Right. But but I I like where you're kind of going with that because there was probably other people that were also alone and maybe even in his similar condition. We and we we don't know. Yeah. 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 Many of them, their crippling factors that they are not ambulatory. Yes. Yeah. Even the Pharisees and Sadducees have their own crippling effect, right? Right. But a lot of those people, let's say they've got a bath or whether they're in hands or something like that, they can run down to the pool. Yeah. There's a lot of people that maybe they are paralytic, but they have somebody to help them. Yeah. So, of all the people at the pool, there's a possibility that he's the one that's not relying on the arm of the flesh. Because, you know, he's the one that's been praying to God to help him to uh, to receive this healing. Yeah. Yeah. And also, the things he says, he says, I have a question for you. I don't have the answers. He was really He was. He says, uh, I have no one to help me. And all he needed to do was just to sit there and believe. Yeah. And that's why I say we know specifically about this and, of course, you know, what the chosen has added to this. Uh, I, I show this to, to somebody else. And the lady says, well, he's got a brother. And maybe it was the brother that was. And I said, that's in the chosen. <laughs> it's, not, it's not in the scriptures. We, and isn't that the deal? So, so here, here's this is one of those things we don't know, do we? Why not me? 
Why, or why me? Yeah, yeah. Why, why, in, why in your family, for instance, is, are you watching maybe other people in the ward and they seem to not have any health problems go on and your family has a lot of health problems? Or why is it that, that you're struck with cancer and they're not? Or why, why? Why? Yeah. There's kind of a ra almost a randomness. Yeah. I know the survivor guilt that, that comes rolling out of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the thing that I, I get from that, though, I look at, we all have these physical bodies, and we're all concerned about, you know, our ailments and things like that. God's not concerned really about our physical bodies. He's concerned about our spiritual Yeah, existence. right. And, and we all have a spiritual uh, aspect, and we have to decide that we want to be healed. Yeah, you know, and if, if we don't want to be, healed, if we don't recognize that we need to be healed, it's, I know. It's well, and and it, and again, I, I keep thinking about maybe those that were within earshot of this, and and they didn't know when he when he was coming in. He'd been working in the Galilee. Now he comes down to Jerusalem, maybe for the first time. I don't know. They don't know, and and they watch the thing happen, and they watch this guy take up his bed and walk out of here. And I got to think there are other people around the pool going, okay, <laughs> ask me the same question. <laughs> yeah, please, come, 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 yeah. Maybe. We've seen in the past that just by having a belief that Christ could do something, it would happen. Yeah. By believing such things on it. And this guy, even though he didn't know who Jesus was at the time, he's, he still he was there every day, even when Christ tells him, you didn't know that water had that Yeah. But yeah. you're here every day. Why? Well, and the funny part about this is, again, there's the upper pool and the lower pool. This is the lower pool. And the, the guardians of the upper pool from time to time, if the pool's getting a little too much water or something, they would, they would hit the drain and bloop, and it would go down to the lower pool. And that would mean the lower pool would go bloop. And somewhere along the way, everybody went, oh, it's an angel. First one, first one in gets healed. So I have to think, I have to think there are times it's like bloop. Okay, everybody dives in, but nobody's really getting healed here. Um, but but Joan, coming back to your idea, I think of we're guessing, right? There is a sometimes there's a randomness to heal, healing. I've always tried for my own sin. I don't want to be sacrilegious about this, but let's say that I mean you have a loving ward and stuff like that. If you develop something, you could probably ask for a family fast you can ask for a ward fast you might get, even get a whole stake fasting for you we're all going to put your names in the temple 
I had one guy that was struggling with something and he put his, his wife's name in a hundred temples. Speed dial, he's got all the temples. Needed. Okay. Because that will get her back to me. She left me and a hundred temple prayers will get her back. Well, didn't work. Is that any more efficacious though than somebody who doesn't have a war to stake a hundred temples with faith? And you get the you get this randomness, right? Because I need them. Well, wouldn't it? Right? Wouldn't it have been nicer? You know, my life would have been easier like your without the glasses. Yeah, you're one of us. <laughs> you're one of us. Yeah. Okay, I'll hang that over here and we'll reserve judgment. I have Scary place, isn't it? No, no, and and it, and it should be there, but but listen, but that's not what we pray for, is it? When we're having a warfare, we're, we're going to pray that that uh, this sister will be healed, and, and it's really that, it's really that, but that's that's not our intent. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that she that she needed she needed the break, yeah. So I think when the Lord gives the sealing power to Alma and third Nephi and yeah. whatever, he usually makes a statement similar to I'm gonna give you this power because I know you would never ask for anything yeah. yeah. different from my will. It's true. And I think how often we approach fasting and pleading for blessings as an exercise in trying to get God enlisted in our cause rather than trying to get a revelation of what is uh, what's his will instead of my will. Yes. Right. Right. No, I think those I think those are normal human reactions to say
when all these people are asking for this person to be healed, and really, God's will might be more important than, than being healed. So, the path to healing might be through God's door. Yeah. Recognizing that is, is a, a spiritual win. I, I think it's one of those things that we ask, though, when, um, again, it, it's just natural, our, our mortality, our sense of mortality, when we're suffering or somebody we love is suffering and we want, we want the intervention. How many parents have prayed for a- Alma's angel to show up and shake this kid up? I need some, and we're praying, maybe it'll be a coach or maybe it'll be the bishop or maybe it'll be. I'm going to send them off to EFY. That'll fix them or, you know, something and not, nothing short of that. I want something that shakes the earth and knocks him out for three days. Yeah. Yeah, but I want the angel anyway. <laughs> again, you're right. But that, that's logical. But that's I don't want logic. I want healing. I guess in my mind, I always think that Alma the Elder probably approached the Lord from the perspective of, I'm wounded, I'm going to let go of what you want and go with what the Lord wants. In his infinite wisdom, you, you get better results. Okay, but hold on, hold on. You, you, and and I, I, can, I, I can say this to just about anybody in this room because we've all struggled here. Isn't that what you do for your kids? I would, I'd be, I would be willing, and I'm going to spend hours on my knees for that, and I'm going to turn the will over to you so that the angel will come. And then the angel doesn't come. I don't want the angel to come up because it's not going to respond. Well. Alma, <laughs> what he's saying is Alma in the end was praying that the angel or that God would intervene to protect the church from his son. Yeah. He, he wasn't potentially praying that the Lord would grant his son yeah. to drag him around. I just think when we're in the middle of pain, again, that's way too logical. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, here and then here. Yeah. Right. Yes. Sure. I wanted that relationship because I loved my kids so much, and I still do. <laughs> Just so you know. But anyway, I went to a meeting uh, for uh, parents who are strange and their children. They play at the uh, SMU. Yeah. Uh, on campus there, Andrew. Right. And there were a ton of people, and it was really quite distinguished and completely broken. And uh, I, I went one time and I. I prayed for the people. I said, I guess it's like a 
Mm-hmm. I'm a mom and my kids hate me. Hello, mom. <laughs> Yeah, well, and again, right, and and even the randomness, again, that we're talking about, and because uh, one of the things that I, I, I guess I've come to appreciate as I've gotten older is that the more I study the gospel, it's like the less I know. <laughs> I know less than I did. When I was 22 and hot off my mission, whoo, man, did I know. You know, I, I had answers to pretty much everything. I can I nail this thing, no problem. Okay, I was ready. Uh, I'd spent most of my mission honing my skills and my knowledge and everything. And I, I look back on that 22-year-old kid and I go, what a dweeb, man. <laughs> what a, a wet-behind-the-ears kid. That, how little he knew and how, and, and how little I understand now about the broad scope of things uh, and how little I actually kind of control. You know, it's kind of a scary place. Um, so, so, so let me do this as a, a jumping off point too. Um, I want I want to set it up uh, this way. So I'm going to talk about. Let's look at religion 101 for just a second. Okay, we're going to be back to the basics. Sometimes when a football team is losing, you know, a coach will walk into a locker room and go, "Gentlemen." This is a football. <laughs> Let's start really basic, okay? So in, in, in most sets of belief here, we're going to get, okay, uh, I'm going to have some, if it's going to be uh, religion, I'm going to have some sense of uh, God or higher power. Yes, <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll subsume gospel okay. in here, okay? So God or a higher power. Then what you've got to decide is, um, does he have rules? In other words, what does he want me to do? Okay? Uh, if you were, the, if, if you were uh, the Epicureans at the time of Paul, the Epicureans were like, yeah, there's a God and he wants me to have a great time. <laughs> that would be really good. Or like C.S. Lewis used to say, a lot of people want a God that's like a doddering grandfather that just wanted everybody to have fun. <laughs> or the God of most youth activities in the church. You know, would you like to say the prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, help us that we have fun tonight and, and bless the pizza. You know, amen. Okay. A successful one. We had fun. We had pizza. Great youth activity. Okay. You, you got to decide, okay, if there's a higher power and if there's rules. Now, the minute that there starts being any kind of rules, expectations about what you're supposed to do or not do, now you have the possibility of what, 
uh, well, of, of sin. You can break laws. Law, what God wants you to do, you don't do. Now, so, so what happens is, now if it's, about, if, if it's about sin, and sin becomes the thing, then the question is, uh, things like consequences, uh, and so what are going to be the, uh, the consequences, and also what happens if, if he sets out the rules and you keep the rules? Yeah, let's call that a reward. We'll call this the negative consequence, okay? The, the negative consequence. And we got reward. That, that's an E. Reward. Okay? Um, and so, so in any kind of setup, then, you're trying to take a look at uh, what happens if there are rules. Am I supposed to keep the rules? And if I am supposed to keep the rules, then I break the rules. Then, then what's going to be the effect of that and and in a lot of Christianity, this certainly evolved to say, well, the negative consequences would be what? Hell. And the reward would be heaven. But if you're also going to go down this route, there has to be some point along here about who's going to decide? Yes, he will. And then Augustine. We're going to decide about who gets to decide what is sin and what, what is not sin. And so there has to be, if you're going to do this and you're going to go down this road, then there has to be some kind of judge at some point about saying, thumbs up, thumbs down. He wins, off with his head. Kind of thing, all right? Uh, and and so much spins out of this. Um, now, the thing that I find really interesting about the Book of Mormon is that Mormon, in his abridgment, and in and as he's pulling from the writings of thousands of years of history, isn't it interesting that he's going to give us? He's going to give us this, but he's also going to allow us to see the thinking of others. And I think that becomes incredibly valuable in terms of why people did what they did at the time and why we do what we do today. Okay, so let, for just a second then, let's look at, why don't you go with me to... Alma 21. All right. So this is, uh, we've got past uh, the, the uh, arms incident uh, with Ammon. Now we're in Alma 22, and now we're going to get to see what Aaron's been up to. Okay. So somebody got to verse 4. I'll run with verse 4. Got it? Okay, fire away. Okay, stop. Now, in re the, the Nephites have a tradition of naming their cities after 
people, right? Prominent leaders, stuff. It's interesting. We don't know why they're naming it after Jerusalem. I have some ideas, but again, I don't know. But I just think it's interesting. We're going to call our city Jerusalem. Hmm? Okay, and? Okay, now, by the way, Amalekites were, where did they come from? They were, they were Nephites under, under King Noah. Priests of Noah. Yeah, they're there too. Oh, you're right. Okay, you're right. Okay, keep going. Oh, okay. So they have a synagogue. So they're going to have some belief in in a God and a, and a system of worshiping, right? Okay. So now they're going to do, they're going to, Build after who? Yeah. Four. Okay. So we need to back. We need to back up just a little bit. Um, it sort of is. Yeah. Hold on to that. Okay. Well, he, oh, hold on though. He, they do have a belief in a God. Okay. So, so yes. Uh, go five. So Paul, like he's going to wander. Oh, this would be a great place to start. I'm going to go preach my stuff in there. Okay. Cool. Oh, there's so much here. Keep going. <laughs> okay. And and six, he says, Thou also sayest, except we repent. You're trying to preach this thing where there's negative consequences. We repent and we perish. How knowest the thought and intent of our hearts? By the way, that's really a good question, I think. Uh, how knowest that, that we have cause to repent? How knowest that we're not a righteous people? We have built sanctuaries and we do assemble ourselves together to worship God. So we, we got a belief. We're believing people. We have synagogues. Look around. We're here. You're preaching to us because we attended church. We're here. Okay. We do. Now, here's the belief. We, we have a belief, though, that what? We do believe that God will save all men. Ah, very nice. Okay. Now, hold on to that for just a second. I want to link for just a second. Let's see if I got it. Oh, I do. Okay. This is from, this is from the Nephite. This is the King Benjamin marketing plan for the gospel. Okay, so we believe among the Nahors, God's going to save all people. Listen to the King Benjamin approach. And if they be evil, 
They are consigned to an awful view of their own guilt and abominations, which has caused them to shrink from the presence of the Lord into a state of misery and endless torment from which they once more can return. Therefore, they have drunk damnation to their souls. Therefore, they have drunk out of the cup of the wrath of God, which justice can deny no more uh, that Adam should fall because of their partaking of the fruit. 27, uh, and their torment as as a lake of fire and brimstone whose lakes are whose flames are unquenchable, whose smoke ascendeth up forever and ever. For thus hath the Lord commanded me. Amen. Which plan you following? God saves all men. Don't judge us. Or your torment, if you break the laws, is going to be a lake of fire and brimstone, whose flames are unquenchable, whose smoke ascendeth up forever and ever. Yes. It makes more sense. What a great marketing deal, right? Oh, which one are we going to follow? Well, let me tell you what King Ben... Oh, wow. That's whew, that's a bit harsh. Okay. Wow. It is kind of discriminatory. Why? Yeah, don't judge me. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't... You don't. I'm here. I'm, I'm doing stuff. You do think you're better than me, right? Because he goes there immediately, right? Wait a minute. You saw an angel rather than going, wow, that's kind of cool. He's like, well, how come we didn't get the angel? So you must think you're better than us. Okay. Are not this people as good as thy people? We believe that God will save all men. Okay. Now, Aaron just wanders into this thing. <laughs> Verse 7. Believest thou the Son of God shall come to redeem all men from their sins? Sins? <laughs> Is there sins? Why? What, what would a sin be? Well, you know, that's when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You know, sins? Look. Now, in order, but in order to, to battle this, what's their argument in verse 8? We don't believe. You know, you know anything, any such thing. We don't believe in these foolish traditions. We do not believe that thou knowest of things to come. In modern language, we'd call this gaslighting. <laughs> you don't know what you think you know. You don't believe what you believe you believe. Because you really don't believe that. I'm just telling you. <laughs> okay. uh, neither do we believe that thy father, and oh, but let's go farther. We don't believe thy fathers and also that our fathers, these old guys, did know concerning the things they spake and that which is to come. Okay? You don't know. It's not going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen. But what we do know is we believe in a God who does what? Because they say we believe in God. We believe in a God who does what? Respects everybody, loves everybody, and... Saves everybody without consequence. Well, again, you can see why it is that they're, they're doing pretty well, probably. And, by the way, if the, the Nahors had another thing in terms of, uh, they do a lay ministry in their church? Or did their preachers get paid? They, they, they got paid. Okay? Back to Nahor, one of his prime thing was they should be popular. Well, that's a pretty popular kind of thing, right? I, I heard a, a preacher 
who has a very, very, very large church uh, in this country. Uh, and he was asked about uh, repentance. And they asked him, do you preach repentance in your church? And he says, no, we kind of stay away from that kind of stuff. <laughs> we're, we're not doing the, we, we don't talk much about repentance. Uh, they they want to hear more about prosperity, how, how you can, God wants you to be prosperous. So yeah, we, we kind of avoid the repentance thing. And they, they uh, justify that Yeah. And, and, and my job is to be effective at spreading God's word. And, and, and I need a jet. <laughs> that's, I, that's, if I'm going to be effective across the country, I need a jet, and I can't be sitting in coach while I've got God's word to proclaim. <laughs> it works. It works well, and nobody's going to believe a guy that's walking around in a fifty-dollar suit. Okay, so you, you, that's why I say I love the, the thing I love about this is that you see shades of it. So I don't know Hugh Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Hugh Nibley used to wear them all the time, along with his red sneakers. That, that's true. It's probably ten. You're right. Probably ten. I I just think it's interesting that one of the things that we're going to see. Uh, as you kind of look across the span of all of this, uh, is that uh, in terms of heaven and hell, if, if we're going to come down in the middle and we got the Nephites here, there was a pretty belief, pretty big belief in heaven and hell. Which sounds pretty harsh to us now, and and like we've talked about before, I think if Joseph Smith had preached like two months after the organization of the church, I think he would have preached on heaven and hell. Sort of did, because we're still two years away from Section 76. We're uh, six years away from the coming of Elijah. We're 12 years away from the coming of the of temple blessings. So at that moment, that's really kind of all they knew was was a heaven and hell scenario yeah I mean it, it's more of a, a less of a punishment that's being imposed on you than a punishment of just okay we're going to let you see what kind of problems you cause yeah yeah sometimes though I mean the Lord the Lord will say later in the in Doctrine and Covenants I kind of let him believe in a lot of that heaven and hell stuff because, because it's not going to be until 1829 that Martin Harris is going to get the revelation that says, by the way, endless, uh, it, that's my name. Eternal, um, that's my name. DNC 19, right? So there's a sense of how they believe this. Now, I just think it's interesting that on one side, though, we have, if this is what the Nephites believe, okay, then over here, the Nahors, what do they believe in? Well, they're believing there is no sin, and everybody gets everybody gets rescued without consequence. Okay. Now, so that's that's one side of the continuum. If we go way over here, 
What if I've got the somebody want to hop? Uh, I think I got it. Hold on here. Oh yeah, listen to this little ditty. Here's some other Nephites. Holy, holy God, we believe that thou art God. We believe that thou art holy, and thou wast a spirit, and that thou art a spirit, and thou will be a spirit forever. Okay, now, th this part I like. But thou art the same yesterday, today, and forever, and thou hast elected us. <sighs> Uh, that we shall be saved whilst all around us are elected to be cast down uh, by thy wrath to hell. That is Augustine. O God, and we thank thee, and we thank thee that thou hast elected us, that we may not be led away after the foolish traditions of our brethren, which doth bind them down to a belief in Christ, which doth lead their hearts to wander far from thee. Ooh, who's this? Right. It's, <laughs> it's over there. Yeah, so this, this is the Zoramites, right? So look at the way that they are going to take the interpretation. They're going to hear all of this, and they're going to say, yeah, there is a heaven and hell. You're right. And some people are going to hell. It's just that. Who's going to hell? Not us. <laughs> Why? Because... And and I think the thing I love about this, why why would you not be going to hell? Why are you because of chosen and because you were elected by God? Yeah, and, and I'm not sure why you didn't get it and you did, but hey, you're elected. He's going to hell, <laughs> and it was kind of a random thing, or maybe we believe it was our lineage, or maybe they never did really say exactly why they were elected. That there's got to be a great story. One day we'll figure out why they figured out they were elected. The same way that the, the story behind the king men, I think I know why it is they should be king. But still there's a sense of you're elected and everybody else. It's kind of a random thing. God loves you and pfft, sorry, hate you guys. So, yeah, we believe in a heaven and hell, but it's just a different road. Isn't that amazing? Do you ever get any, by the way, does this have any... Modern stuff to it. Can be. Have shades have shades of that sometimes. Yeah. They, they built that general construct too, along with the Protestants too. That there's God, he's there, he's always there, he's eternal, there's no changing. And because we are here in this church today, yeah. Yeah. And you not, unfortunately. And heaven help you if you were born before Christ. Yeah, I, I was having this conversation with a guy that was uh, looking at joining the church, and, and he actually going to be baptized. But um, that was the conversation that we had, is that as he looked at it and how salvation came, we kind of went down that road. He says, so of, so of all of the people on the earth at the moment, how many are going to be saved? Well, those that accept Jesus. Okay. So how many how many Buddhists then are going to be saved? Well, none. So where are they going? Uh, to hell. Okay. Uh, Jews? Uh, Muslims? 
Uh, Mormons? <laughs> yeah. So, so on and on. Catholics? Yeah, Catholics. Yeah. So, so I said, so God's going to put forward a plan. These are all his children, right? And God's going to put forward a plan where this little bitty group here of all the people that have ever lived. So, by the way, they're all through the Middle Ages. Anybody there going to be saved? No. At the end of it, it is this small little group that gets saved and everybody else goes to hell. There's kind of this election thing. It's just kind of, kind of narrow, right? What's that mean? Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and I guess that's the one, the one caution. Sometimes I put on. I I, I love the Book of Mormon. I I do, and and I love digging through it. And and I, this is just like the truest book on the face of the earth. But I also have to keep in mind what they knew at the time that they knew it, and that the gospel continued to roll. The Savior hadn't come to them yet. You start seeing all because a lot of this thing what they were struggling with the the savior hasn't taught the sermon at the temple yet and third nephi i mean they're just we have to allow the gospel knowledge to grow over time and it certainly did in the book of mormon Yeah, and that, oh boy. That's kind of what the doctrine of heaven says, is it says that these people understood this, they were wrong, but it, but it was okay for them to understand it wrong because from, from their development, that didn't get in the way of them developing to become better. Yeah. Do you know what's tough about that too, is that, because I agree with you, more likely, that's what the obedience 80s was all about. It was all about strict obedience and, and, and all of those kind of things. The hard thing in trying to move from a gospel of kind of some fear and obedience and move it to a, I'm going to keep the commandments because I love God, rather than I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to get fried if I don't, which is ultimately a change and a growth as we transform we have to get to. But it is hard if you've kind of grown up under a very rigid set of rules to transfer for that to I'm going to start living, the, I'm going to keep the commandments because I love God and I love other people. I, I'm thinking, for instance, like about, think about the Soviet Union, that they lived under a totalitarian system of tight controls. And then when the whole country fell, then it's like, and Iraq was kind of the same way. It's like, Hey, you're free. <laughs> you know, 
you don't have to worry anymore. We're not doing as, all those rules and everything. You can do whatever you want. And then what happened? Oh, chaos. They're just not, they're just not used to doing that quite so much. Yeah. So the, the hard part about this, I'm going to keep the commandments because I love God and I love other people, is that the first two commandments are to love God and love other people. So we're not doing, we're not becoming godly because we're godly. We're becoming godly because we choose to embrace yeah. the godly features that so right. And, and and the keeping the commandments then teaches how to love. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn how to love because that's a commandment. And then once I know how to love, I'm gonna be a better person. Yeah. But but then the commandments become a joy. Yeah. That's what the new strength of you can to the Holy Spirit. It's not a it's not a bunch of rules. Yeah. It's a bunch of Yes. We're trying to make this. We're trying to make this shift, right? Uh, and and that's why I just think it's interesting that what we're watching here, uh, and and you just watching it played out with Aaron uh, as he's walking into the middle of these guys, and he's trying to say, okay, this is the way that they that they view the world. How am I going to teach them? And does he? No, eventually he's just got to walk out. <laughs> they're not getting this. Okay, they're, they are not yet in a place because they're so bound up. If, if, you can't, if you can't understand sin and the need to repent, you're not going anywhere. So look at what happens. Let's go to... You know, that's the first question. Why don't you just tell them what you Or a spirit, spirit man. Right. Is is there sin and are there consequences? Yeah. Boy, so I agree. There is a place where Nehors can be. Oh, and I and I think they will be, you know. But 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 you have to kind of and, and so but but look at the template and it's in Alma twenty two, it, it's it's right after this, so he's he's trying to teach. Uh, now. Uh, this is after he gets sprung from prison. So where's he going to go? To the father king, right? Lamoni's father. Uh, he tries the servant thing and he goes, no, 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 no. Just, just teach me. <laughs> it worked for Ammon. Don't worry about taking care of my horses. I, I got questions. <laughs> okay. Um, but look at his first question. This is verse 3 of Alma 22. I will grant you your lives, and I will not suffer that you shall be servants, but I will insist that you minister unto me, for I have been troubled by what? Yeah, no, I'll just do it here. I have been troubled in mind because of the generosity and greatness of the words of thy brother Ammon. And, my, and I desire to know the cause why he hasn't come up. Well, Verse 4, now the Spirit of the Lord called him away. He's gone to another land to teach the people of Lamoni. And the king says, what is this you have said concerning the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, this is the thing which doth trouble me. I'm, okay, all right. Huh. And, and 
what is this that Ammon said this weird thing? Okay. I, um, if you'll repent, you'll be saved. Now, let me stop for a second. We've left out one other belief system, and that is who? We're talking about Nephites. What did the Lamanites believe? They've got some core beliefs. Do they believe there's a great spirit? Yep, they do. Uh, do they believe that there is sin? Well, there is a sin they know. Who sinned in the eyes of the Lamanites? Yes. And the liars and the liars and the usurpers, and those were Nephites, right? Where are you going with the son of a liar? So, yes, there's a sin. And the greatest sin you can commit as far as the Lamanites are concerned is taking away our kingship. We had the right to rule. You took away our right to rule. Well, that's a sin. So it doesn't necessarily say it, but I assume if, they, if there's a belief in a higher power of some kind and that these are liars and usurpers, they probably believe there's some place that these Nephites are going after this life. I don't think I don't think the Book of Mormon ever says what they thought where they thought Nephites were going after this life, but it probably was not pleasant. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, we stop we stop mid chord, um, but there was a sin in their eyes, and that is you take away our kingship. Now, what about what about if you're killing servants because they're scattering your sheep. Yeah, that's not a sin. Yeah, especially if you're the king. Kings kings can do whatever they want and they have this right to, to do this stuff. And they have a right to rule. It's a divine right to rule. Okay? And and it's one of those things that happens with kings and that's the, one of the problems with kings. That's what Messiah was trying to let's get us to judges because kings can do this stuff and Whatever they do is okay. Um, so, I'm a little worried, he says in verse 6. If you will repent, you shall be saved. And if you won't repent, you'll be cast off to the last day. Um, and Aaron goes, well, let's start over. <clears throat> do you believe there's a God? Well, yeah. I know that the Amalekites say that there's a God. I granted unto them they could build sanctuaries that they may assemble themselves to worship him. Now, here's the guile. And now thou say it, and if now thou sayest there's a God, I will believe. I don't know, but I'll believe. Help thou my unbelief. I just love that simpleness, okay? Aaron heard this, his heart begins to rejoice. I'll bet it does. Most assuredly as I livest. O king, there is a God. And the king said, Oh, wait a minute. Is that God the great spirit that brought our fathers out of the land of Jerusalem? So somewhere in this belief system was that the great spirit did lead their fathers out of out of the ancient world and brought them here. Yeah, that... Verse 10, that he is the great spirit and he createth all things both in heaven and earth. Believe this. Yes, I believe the great spirit created all things. Uh, and I desire that thou should tell me these things. Now, so now he's going to kind of go down this road, verse 12. And when he saw that the king would believe in words, he begins where? 
the creation of Adam, right? Because uh, how God created man in his own image, and that then God does what? Gives him commandments. Don't take, don't eat the fruit, but multiply. You're gonna probably go, uh, uh, laying the fall of uh, the fall of man before him. Um, I think it was wasn't it Bruce R. McConkie who said that if you don't believe the fall, you're not gonna believe anything else about the the need for a savior. There's no fall. There's no savior. No need for a savior. So laying the fall of man before him, their carnal state and the plan of redemption, which was prepared from the foundation of the world through Christ for all who would, whosoever would believe uh, on his name. So the plan of salvation is basically a three-legged stool with the creation, the fall, and the redemption. Yeah, yeah. And you can see examples of the adversary trying to take out each leg independently Whenever. Yeah, yeah, I got. Yeah, well, and and uh, the thing that I think is crazy about that, because I, I agree with that, is that you have to again, any group has to decide what sin is, and when people have broken the rules. So that's in the religion. Yeah. But we have here a spiritual development, and. Most of the world doesn't have the gospel. No. Much of the world doesn't even have religion. But everyone has the light of Christ. Yeah. So even though we might not label it as sin, yeah. people have a, a, a behavior pattern of what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, at times that you see like the, um, the massive uh, earthquake in Turkey. Or the the loss of life in the tornado in Mississippi. Okay, you see those things going on, and and almost instinctively you watch people, and it doesn't matter almost what their official belief system is or their religion or whatever. They're instinctively they do what? Well, there's two groups. There's those who are who are running to the aid of yeah. all those who are hurt, right? And then there's looters. Yes, that's right. And so that's why I say, so you get that group of people that just instinctively wants to help and those that lay back and they're waiting. Gives you an idea to kind of see where they are. Um, I remember years ago when, uh, when we were at the, um, the cleanup in, after Katrina in New Orleans, uh, and we were standing outside a, an apartment complex where uh, actually we were breaking windows to let cats out. <laughs> were, you know, everybody just abandoned, they left their pets inside the, the apartment. Uh, but we're trying to clean up and do as best we can. And a couple of trucks come, come rolling up uh, alongside and, and they, were, they were here to help. They, they, weren't, they weren't members of our church, they were just people that had come to help. Um, and, and we got talking to some of these guys. And, and the one guy pulls me aside and he says, See that guy over there by the truck? And I says, yeah. And he says, his house is in Alabama. It's gone. The, the, it took out the whole thing. He has nothing. Absolutely nothing. But because he has nothing there, he thought he could come to New Orleans and help. So, wow. What kind of level of... He did the right thing, right? And And instinctively... So, so part of 
part of why sometimes we go back and look at this and go, uh, you know, and, and years ago when they were taking a look at, um, uh, who's, who's the, who's the name, who's the guy that did all the myth stuff in the seventies? Um, the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell, as an anthropologist, started to go into every society, and it didn't matter whether it was the Eskimos or Native Americans or the Norse, or uh, it didn't matter the society. He kept seeing the same stories over and over and over. But one of the things that he concluded, and he actually was pulling it from a psychologist, Jung, uh, uh, trying to say, is it interesting, no matter what the society is, they have a tendency to want to go here. There's a belief in something. And they want to create a, a, a system of belief and try and come up with a creation of it. Where did it come from? And what are the rules? And when are you breaking the rules? That's just almost instinctively. I like the idea that kind of that light of Christ that's already lighting us up here. Um, but anyway, uh, so, so what we're getting here in, in, with Aaron, he's got to start over and he's got to set all of these traditions right so that he's going to be able to accept. Uh, 14, and since man had fallen, he couldn't merit anything of himself. He was going to need a Christ. But the sufferings and death of Christ atone for his sins through faith and repentance and so forth, and he breaketh the bands of death. The grave shall have no victory. And Aaron did expound all of these things. Um, now, I think the the bottom line on this, maybe as we kind of kind of start wrapping up a little bit. Um, here's the king's response in verse 15. What can I do? He gets it, right? What can I do that I'll be born of God, having this wicked spirit rooted out of my breast? Behold, said he, I will give up all I possess. Remember, before he was going to give up half the kingdom to Ammon. I'll give up half if you just let me live. Okay, now uh, I will forsake my kingdom that I may receive this great joy. By the way, did that happen? Which is... Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, on that, did he get, did he end up losing his kingdom? He did. Yeah, the cost was there. I mean, I think he dies before it really gets bad, but yeah, he lost his kingdom. It, it, he certainly had to pay the cost in terms of material kingship. Aaron says, if thou desirest this thing, thou will bow down to God, call on his name. Um, and he does. Um, and then, of course, in 18, he does the, very classic Lamanite thing. Um, and now when the king had said these words, he was struck as if he were dead. They just tend to do this thing, right? When they get overwhelmed. Um, yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. You know, in, in some ways, uh, I, I think about this. These aren't a very sophisticated people, right? And they have these massive emotions that start to show up inside them. And I think about this uh, every night. Uh, in fact, it happened to us last night. Uh, we come home late after did a fireside in Arlington last night. We come home late. Door opens and and there's our, our black lab. And she hasn't seen us for years and years and she thought we were dead. <laughs> and she, she just 
so excited. She's going she gonna to run and she's wagging her tail. She just can't contain all of that. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. My mouth is empty. Uh, hold on. I'll, I'll be right back. I'm going to run, go get my toy. <clears throat> okay, see, now i got my toy. I'm really here. Okay, love on me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were dead. I'm so relieved. <laughs> and you just watch pets, and especially these dogs, can just be so full of, and I kind of sometimes look at that when I think about uh, the Lamanites that are just so full of emotion that it almost overwhelms their senses. And they just. It's the contrast, though. I know it's not a lack of sophistication. It's the contrast. The gospel is a contrast between what he had, yeah. which is no gospel. Right. And now, and now he's getting flooded with all of this stuff. You are the truth. Yeah. That is just overwhelming. And it should be overwhelming. Yeah. The reason that we maybe aren't as overwhelmed is because we limit ourselves. We don't want to get too much too quickly. And we already have a fair amount. Yeah. Uh, I, I think about the, uh, and, and maybe, maybe I'll kind of wrap up with this. Uh, from the, uh, again, every several times a day, uh, an observant Jew is going to pray the, the Shema. The, the the prayer, right? Oh, hear, oh, hear, oh, hear me, Lord. Uh, and part of that coming from Deuteronomy 6 says, I'm going to love the Lord with all my heart, might, mind, and strength. Now, that's said several different ways uh, because the problem with DNC 6 is they're trying to translate a word that is basically untranslatable. Heart, might, mind, and it's the last word. That last word uh, as I've looked it up, and you kind of go to the Blue Letter Bible and other things to try and capture this word. But I was reading a Jewish scholar the other day, and he says the best way you can describe that phrase from the Shema is heart, might, mind, and <laughs> it's like this. Yeah, it's 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 a passion. It's a. <laughs> Is basically what he's saying, and and when you watch when you watch like the King James translators trying to, they will break out heart, might, mind, and strength, and heart, might, and strength, and they're they're just trying to translate almost something that's untranslatable. But I love that sense of I love God. How much? Every yes, yeah, it is. It's like it just comes from you guys are home. <laughs> Kind of, kind of a wagon of the tail and excitement, all that. So, um, anyway, the, again, one of the things I, I love about the Book of Mormon is we just get this sense of contrast of what other people get a chance to believe. If he just told us what the Nephites believed and never told us what Korahor said or Nahor said, or or anybody else for that matter we'd have been missing the beauty of what, what it is in contrast that the Nephites were trying to do. So any final comments? Yeah. Kind of gospel, I mean, the, the brother with the truck. Yeah. What he had given to him was empathy and it cost him everything he had. Yeah. And he didn't have a choice in the matter. He just was subjected to a, a a traumatic uh, experience that where he lost everything he had, and then he recognized through the gift of God that all this stuff that I've lost, and then there's other people that are losing. And I and I can do something for other people. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just so touched by that. Just about took me down. Yeah. With, with 
Yeah. Yeah, it's and the kind of the service that we render. Yeah, boy, is that true? That's true. Yeah, Cindy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I'll go do what I can. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of sins they'd committed, or yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, Dunkirk the same kind of thing. I, I, I can I got a boat. I can rescue I yeah. Yeah. And then those same guys when Houston gets hit just uh, just a few years later, here comes the Cajun Navy again and they're on their way. So great great point. All right. Um it really interesting part of, of uh the Book of Mormon and I I think we it's worth kind of taking a, a deep dive through it. So uh bury my testimony, it's it's worth studying and Pray we will, and I leave that with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I get a closing prayer? Yeah, go ahead. And thank you for joining us for another Monday morning class. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions about future topics that we could discuss, or if you had any questions concerning something that you heard in the class, please drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. As always, if you happen to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, please come in and join us on a Monday morning. We'd love to see you and identify who you are. If the podcast itself is resonating with you, go ahead and click subscribe uh, so that Apple can figure out where we are. We'd love to, to hear from you. So again, thank you for coming, and we'll see you for another Monday morning class.